Hello, welcome to Solomon's Temple. In this episode, we're going to be going over one of the most interesting books in the Bible, the book of Ecclesiastes. The reason why I chose the book of Ecclesiastes is because it sort of has, I don't know, sort of a more um, trippy element to it. Almost like everything matters, but something it doesn't matter, but one thing will lead to another, and then in the end it'll be futile. It has a weird edge to it. It has kind of almost an Eastern sensation to it, if I can conceptualize it that way. It starts out, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What advantage does man have in all his work, which he does under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Also the sun rises and the sun sets, and hastens to its place it rises there again, blowing toward the south, then turning toward the north. The wind continues swirling along, and on its circular courses the wind returns. All the rivers flow into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place where the rivers flow, there they flow again. All things are wearisome. Man is not able to tell it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is that which will be, and that which has been done is that which will be done. So there is nothing new under the sun. So we keep on, it's almost like a myth of Sisyphus. We keep on keeping on, and we push that thing up thinking, yeah, this is a good purpose. Let's keep pushing it. And then it rolls back down and we got to keep pushing it again. And it keeps recycling, but it's in the same spot. Even though all these things are changing and all these things are done under the sun for us, it's almost as though it's trying to say like, look, you might make progress now and things might be ameliorated. But also in another point of time, you're still in the same spot. You're still in the same reality. You still kind of feel the same because you've gotten used to a new time. For instance... We used to be very excited about the telephone, and now you can't get people to really appreciate a smartphone that processes 12 million bits of light information over the course of two seconds and sends it down to another part of the state where your friend is. It's all taken for granted, and you, you know, you can't load an internet page full of information that someone put up, you know, from New Delhi or from England or wherever they put it up and people are like wanting to rush it along or get upset that they can't load a page like just let that that information used to take two months to travel now it takes almost two seconds maybe five max sometimes less but you see it's like vanity of vanities all is vanity but nothing's new under the sun it's like you're just in the same complacent state of mind because you get used to everything but everything stays the same even though it changes that's that's my personal vision on this i think this is what's being said here also, excuse me, I have a cold, um, so I'm a little deeper. I bet it sounds kind of cool anyway, so I don't think you care, and I don't care what you think anyway, so I don't even know why I even mentioned it, but <laughs> to kind of wrap up what I thought about all this is on line number 14, it says, I have seen all the works which have been done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity, striving after wind. Lines 17 and 18 say, And I set my mind to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I realize that this is also striving after wind. Because in much wisdom there is much grief, and increasing knowledge results in increasing pain. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, you know, they say ignorance is bliss. And to be a part of a conscious sort of state of mind, you have to go through a lot of pain. You got to realize that there is a lot of upsetting things that are in the world and that the state of things can be very upsetting once you have an increased uh, knowledge base. But also when you do increase your knowledge, you do start to realize that the surface area of ignorance is quite great between you and others that you have uh, ascended over, but also the fact that there's tons more that have ascended over you and that the state of things is far above what you can know. Your whole horizon of understanding and knowledge over things is so lacking. 
but it's more of a comparison. So ultimately, you're only harming yourself because you're striving after win in order to delineate yourself. I, you know, that's madness and folly in you, and you know wisdom, and and that upsets you. But then again, you also have madness and folly, and there's something else that is upsetting about you. So you're really just like looking back at yourself over and over again. So, but you know, as you increase this kind of knowledge, I guess you just have more and more layers to kind of deal with and it can be painful. So why, why am I doing this? Why? Why don't I just, you know, stay home on this whole subject of philosophy, society, understanding wisdom, you know, transmitting my ideas and getting them out there for people to understand. Would I want to inflict pain on people? Of course I don't. But again, I think if everyone is on the same page and you're striving after win together, you're at least, you can at least um, be on the same level of bliss, um, a higher maturation or level of wisdom without seeing the painful uh, madness and folly below, that that madness and folly may all, all rise. And that in a sense, you know, Maybe it wouldn't be as painful if there wasn't such a contrast because I've noticed that people are, are happy when everyone else is happy and, and people like to be synced up and all together. And if they're not, there's there's the di division and discord and it doesn't feel good. But um, there will always be bliss. It's just, do you realize that you can never really be that whole wealth of wisdom and knowledge and observe that within yourself? Or would you simply always recognize and be humble about it? It's very wise to realize that you are in bliss and you are ignorant anyway. So whether or not you're blissfully ignorant or you're not, you're still blissfully ignorant and you're wise. So whichever one you are, you're still both. So it's striving after wind. But wouldn't it be all better if there wasn't such a discrepancy between everyone? I'm a collectivist. I'd like to think that everything is much better if you can't delineate between folks and that you may live together and there'd be a lot less uh, pain if you're all striving all together rather than um, striving against one another because of some folly or madness. In chapter 2, verse number 15, Then I said to myself, As is the fate of the fool, it will also befall me. Why then have I been extremely wise? So I said to myself, This too is vanity. So it would seem like no matter what the work that you do under the sun, it still turns out to be grievous and that everything is futile and striving after wind. And I sort of like what went on at the uh, final line in uh, chapter 2, line 26. For a person who is good in his sight, he has given wisdom and knowledge and joy, while to the sinner he has given the task of gathering and collecting, so that he may give to one who is good in God's sight. This too is vanity and striving after wind. So then in essence, the people that really need to receive this, they collect what is good from the good and give back to the good. And then it would be that the good gave so that they can get good back. It doesn't seem like the way it's supposed to be, that you would hand this stuff out and so that you may expect to receive it. It makes me think if these things are, are quite different at all, or if anyone's really quite different, or whether it would matter if the sinner is, is uh, giving back to the, joy, the one that spreads joy and good knowledge. Well, there's a time and season for everything. I think that's really great. I don't know if you've heard that song, To Everything There Is A Season, that hippie song from the 60s. That's truly great. There isn't a point of time for everything. And with this, everyone undergoes it. Everyone's the same. No matter where you are in this, you're still doing the same things. You still are like the same character. The same things are demanded of you. You're of the same cloth. And it's a matter of time and maybe point of reference, maybe a perception, maybe a vision. Maybe there's something dualistic to that, but um, there's a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to root what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, so on and so forth. What profit is there to the worker from that in which he toils? 
And in the end, it's just do what is good for oneself in your lifetime. I don't know if you've seen A Serious Man, this uh, movie about this math teacher who is trying to teach the math equation Schrodinger's cat. And I don't know if you're familiar with the equation, but essentially the concept is kind of like you have these two indeterminate uh, doors and when you open one, it would poison the cat and it would die. Or you open a, you would open another one and the cat would live. So it's sort of this uh, indeterminability, but it's not until you look that you will find out. And it's almost like you don't, it's kind of like there's this predetermination and, and there's this this stuff that happens to you and no matter what you choose even if you haven't done anything or you're choosing right these things still happen you know and we take ourselves very seriously on all these points and throughout the movie this guy just wants like to know like what the hell (laughs) like i can't take this seriously you know and he wants he wants to be a serious man because he's just like this is obviously ridiculous you know and a math teacher teaching that is looking for these answers um his son um, was listening, which is awesome, the uh, the Surrealistic Pillow, uh, Jefferson Airplane soundtrack, Solomon Schlutz. <laughs> yeah, Solomon Schlutz. It's a good Jewish name. He takes like the, the Walkman is taken from um, the son of this math teacher who's listening to Jefferson Airplane during class or something. And he goes sees Solomon Schlutz, the head of the school or institution or whatever. And um, Solomon Schlutz says, when the truth is found to be lies and all the joy within you dies. The words of the airplane. Be a good boy, is what he says. Just be a good boy. That's all you can do. Just try to be good. Just try. Just do what you can. (laughs) And it should be noted in here, too, that there's a proclamation of we all go to the same place, as in we all came from dust and will return to dust. We're (laughs) We're all a part of these cycles. We're all part of all these cycles, and the breath of man is just like the breath of an animal. The conclusion of chapter 3 goes in line 22, And I have seen that nothing is better than that man should be happy in his activities, for that is his lot. For who will bring him to see what will occur after him? So I suppose if you're always living towards tomorrow or giving it away in, in a sense of not bringing it really back to you and being truly nurtured and happy, why? Really? It's really about you being happy in your toiling and just fancy yourself happy even though you can't fathom why you should be. I guess just being happy with being alive and sort of being here is really what all you really can do and have control over is is, is really just being happy with where you are and happy that you're alive and that's that. A really interesting couplet kind of appeared in chapter 4. It says, One handful of rest is better than two fists full of labor and striving after wind. Then I looked again at vanity under the sun. There was a certain man without a dependent, having neither a son nor a brother, yet there was no end to all his labor. Indeed, his eyes were not satisfied with riches, and he never asked, And for whom am I laboring and depriving myself of pleasure? This too is vanity and is a grievous task. And then it says, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. So then, if you have two hands full of labor, you lose a hand. You still have one hand, and you can still take care of yourself. You're... You enjoy yourself more when you're not working all the time and being serious all the time. 
you're not happy even though you are good as a whole because if everyone is balanced out with one hand at rest and one going you're happy but what if you fall you have no hands you know so if you have more people with two hands and if one-handed people fall you can give a hand because if you have nothing but one hand to give you've fallen as well you, you can't give what you know anything <laughs> so it's better to have people around that have two hands but also if you have two hands you're unhappy so this is sort of the uh the vanity of it all where one thing is good for one reason another thing is good for another reason one is better than the other for two different kinds of reasons so really if you go in one direction you can say yeah this is good but you can't because um no it's not <laughs> you can't so really this is ah it's this you could you see what i you feel that <laughs> No matter what you're doing, it's like, a, it's just a flux and reflux and flux and reflux. And you got to see that each of them have a detriment. Each of them have a position of advantage. All is vanity. And with vanity, we have wealth, of course. And when you increase wealth, you have an increase in that which wants to be consumed by the owner. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches being hoarded by their owner is to hurt. When those riches were lost through a bad investment... And he had fathered a son, and there was nothing to support him. As he had come naked from his mother's womb, so will he return as he came. He will take nothing from the fruit of his labor that he can carry in his hand. Chapter 7 really blew me away. I'm going to read off a couple lines. Sorrow is better than laughter, for when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. The mind of the wise is in the house of mourning, while the mind of the fools is in the house of pleasure. It is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man than for one to listen to the song of fools. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than haughtiness in spirit. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Wisdom along with its inheritance is good and an advantage to those who see the sun. For wisdom is protection just as money is protection. But the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the lives of its possessors. So we can sort of see how we can imagine good things to be bad and bad things to be good. And all of these exist, and all of these exist in light of each other, and that it'll keep cycling and nothing has changed. Nothing will change. Uh, everything is futile. Man, Ecclesiastes is sort of like, um, it's a different kind of God consciousness. It's like a God that isn't particularly like interested in judging you too much almost like it understands and uh, beholds the, the the flux and reflux and the juxtapositions that that are here and for those of personhood undergoing themselves the race is not to the swift and the battle is not to the warriors and neither is bread to the wise nor wealth to the discerning nor favor to men of ability for time and chance overtake them all i really like this next line the words of the wise heard in quietness are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. That's awesome. So this is what it is, you know, find these pockets of light and I want to be a pocket of light. I want to be, I want to do good. I want to do my toiling and do good. So there's that, you know, why tune into, you know, TV and, and this other crap and, um, you know, get a hold of, uh, you know, good speakers and people who want to pay attention to the good information and let that be the guiding light. Let those select words be empowered and meditated upon in such way. And so I'll just conclude with this. 
that even though it said that and sort of empowered uh, my mission in uh, chapter 12, line 12, 12, 12, there's 12 chapters in this book. Interesting, 12, 12 is my birthday. <laughs> okay, chapter 12, line 12 says, beyond this, my son, be warned, the writing of many books is endless, and excessive devotion to books is wearying to the body. <laughs> I collect books. I have so many books. I'm obsessed with books. Yeah, yeah, okay. I will be warned. It is wearying. I get very tired. Um, I love it, and I think it's great, and it's very powerful. It's very wearying to the body. So I'll just do, uh, do my best and just kind of uh, drive these messages home with um, with a solid hammer, um, with good wood, drive it in nice and straight and good, and, and solidify this the best I can. Do this with uh, the least amount of words possible. I don't want to speak too much like a fool. So I'll just leave you with this. I hope you enjoyed this one. And I hope it also kind of influences, you know, those that aren't like religious to like respect, you know, uh, religious books, even though, you know, I'm not religious. I'm not particularly religious, but I have a lot of respect and observation of this. Um, let this be in the forefront of your, the doldrums of your mind and read the book of Ecclesiastes. I intend on reading it uh, once again once or twice again uh, in the near future just to brush back up on it because I want to kind of solidify this nature like just into my um into my psyche and carry it around and keep it in mind it could prove to be quite satisfying okay well I'll see you next time